Welcome back to the Social Distance Podcast, everybody. George is here, even though you can't see him on screen if you're watching on YouTube. He's just left for a massage. He's in Malaysia for his last race of the season, Triple So we talk about that. We speak about the gravel worlds. We talk about Gunner's unbelievable hour record. We talk about why do sport immortalize some athletes over others, i.e. Valverde and Nibali's retirement guard of honor at Lombardia yesterday. Uh, what sports can you uh, easy to cheat in? Fishing, golf, they're all up there. Mm. Um all we covered all on this episode like share subscribe let's let's just run the intro and wing it like we always do and see what comes out of it uh, let's get ready to rumble mm. front kick just didn't pull dance move yet my radar's going pretty hard at the moment i think we should will you Who shut up man that escalated quickly oh, we're gonna need to get some more qualified guests on the show eh? <laughs> <laughs> I see in your show notes, Jonesy, has the F-bomb become more accepted? You'd fucking hope so for anyone listening to this show. I think it has. <laughs> I think it has. I think we were pioneers of just running it all the time and not giving a F-U-C-K. Yeah. But um, you hear it all the time in post-game interviews. Like, well, I was watching the NRL Grand Final last Sunday, and the bloke after the granny, they go, oh, how's it feel? And he goes, oh, it's just fucking incredible. But there's no like. Remember in the old days when someone would drop an f bomb on live TV, they go, "Oh, sorry, mm. they don't even do it anymore." Yeah, they panic. Like... They panic to cover it up. Yeah. Even this year in cycling, I've noticed the change in the commentary. Mm. In the commentary, especially with Carlton Kirby, who who's actually been the um the victim, or he's been the commentator who's had to like try to correct it. And I remember hear, hearing earlier in a race earlier in the year, some guy said "fuck" in his interview, and Carlton was like, sort of. Felt like he owed the listeners apology. So he was like, oh, sorry about the language, guys. Obviously, we can't control that. And then this year at the Vuelta, Pascal Ackerman, he is he is known for it. I watched about three interviews with him. And by the end of the Vuelta, after the last stage, I interviewed him. And he said, fuck again. And Carlton was just like, just didn't even acknowledge it. He, nah. You could just see he was just like, this is just what he does now. Remco did it at the Vuelta. They one of the hard days. They go, you know, how was it? And he just goes, yeah, we went fucking balls out from the bottom of the climb. The same thing is like often guys who who it's not their first language, so it's like yeah, it's like also when I speak Spanish, and then like I'm not 100 percent sure on the order of of swear words, so I'm chucking in all these jodias and ostias and everything, but maybe one of them's like a C bomb, you know? Maybe yeah. one of them that that all my Spanish mates just say around us because, you know, and they've just taught us that actually we're, we're like hood rats and I'm chucking that on a live Spanish interview and the, because, because yeah, you don't know the order. I mean, a shit, and we know that a shit is generally fine. A fuck yeah. is mm. you're getting up there, you know? But I you, definitely do it. I did it at the yeah. post office the other week. I just like, like you say in Spanish, you just, you say Ostia, like, I don't know why, because we just learned to say it. And I was at the post office and I was, they said something and I was like, oh, Ostia. They'd be like being at New Zealand post office going, oh, fuck. Is Ostia bad? Because <laughs> like... I, I don't even know that. I thought Ostia was just like bloody. I don't know. That's, nah, what, we, that's, what, nah, that's yeah. what we're saying. <laughs> and that's why, yeah, that's exactly why Ackerman's telling you it was fucking hard. <laughs> to, to another, good ex- another good example of a cyclist that was just tainted by having the wrong people teaching him English was Esteban. Oh. oh yeah he's a shocker was a shocker shocker i had to pull him a few times especially in the early days when his english was really like the first time i met esteban was at a training camp in, in bright in victoria in australia december camp and he didn't speak a word of english and then like only a few months later he's like gone to like 
a little bit of a level of English, but he was dropping words like on social media, like sending me comments. Oh, yeah. I was like, words I can't repeat. Comment on, on the podcast. social media once. I remember that. I remember yeah. the, when it was like, and I looked at that and I went, you need to ring, <laughs> ring us to the bus. I was like, mate, you, you can't say that. Good times, though. Good How's times. Malaysia, GB? GB, you're just landed in Lang- Tura Langkawi, have you? Yeah, apologies for the bad sound quality and the awkward facial angles. Um, how's Malaysia? Oh, I've been here about four hours now. And um, I don't have a good thing to say so far. <laughs> you haven't got the shit yet. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's just the mindset. It's, it's, the place is what you make it. And it's probably a beautiful place. And I'm making it a terrible one. So, you know, mm. I'll get back to you next week, tell you how good it was. It's a home of Milo. Piss off, is it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. No, Milo's everywhere. Because we did Lane Cow in 2013, Bills. Mm. I remember... I, I thought that was like a Kiwi thing. All I can remember in that 2013 Lane Cow is how humid it was. So oh. I spent most of my time in the car oh, with yeah. the aircon just cranked. But then I remember another time, it was like... We're talking about inappropriate conduct. Um, I just remember we got into a pack lift once and someone let that screaming fart rip that brought the house down. <laughs> I think Pete Weening was in the lift as well and oh, it's just absolute scenes. Mm. That's all my takeaways and, from Lankawi was. And to the humidity. Do you know what I did see this morning was a cash converters? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's old school. People, yeah, people have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm thinking to... You know how, like, if you used to go to the Japan Cup at the end of the year, you just sell all your kit? And, like, people would just come in with handfuls of cash and you're selling your kit. I wonder if I could just take a suitcase and the cash converters. Yeah. Into the week. Sure. 80 bucks for it. Walk out with a guitar or something. Walk out with, like, a guitar with two strings on it. Do you know what one of my memories of Lankari is? My is I did Lankari three or four times, I reckon. And back in the day, I haven't done it for a... I think the last one I did it was 2015 or something. And they used to pay out the prize money, which was which was good prize money, just in cash at the end of the race. Mm. So you'd like mm. you'd finish the race and you you'd get a message on the you know the, the team director would get a message from the organizer saying, "Oh, come down and collect your prize money." And we went down there and there's just this armored truck just pulls up in the hotel lobby and these security guards bring in all these briefcases. And they just go into this room and they just divvy out your prize money in, in US dollars. And mm. like that year, we won like, I think we won like nearly 100,000 US dollars in prize money. And we were flying back to Europe that night and they were like, here's your cash. And we're like, what are we going to do with that? What are we supposed to do with this? Like, just yeah. walk on the plane with a briefcase for 100 from, um, grand in it. A similar race from like Dennis was telling me that in the last year of Belkin, they did the, you know, there was China 1 and China 2. Mm. So, this was, I think, pre, post Beijing, but pre Guangxi, maybe. And, or you, I think it was still Guangxi or whatever, but you could stay longer and do this other one in late October. And everyone was like, oh, no one ever wanted to go. It was, obviously, it was pretty much like the following season. It was so late in the year. And um, the only way they could get people to go was by offering ridiculous prize money. And it was the same thing. They all offered it in cash and they went with like marina hoffman and stuff they won gc they won like five stages and they were they had the same situation so they were just stuffing money in in like bike frames and 
up the you know in the seat posts and everything every which way to try to get home divvied up between all the staff so even the mechanics were walking in with ten thousand us dollars just because they're like here's your money in mm. cash yeah we we didn't take ours actually we said oh no nah, you got to transfer this like you said oh, no, i to charity didn't you yeah you give it to charity you said oh, we do, i would do this i said give it to coldplay they'll give it to charity for sure 10 percent. <laughs> every day of the week but are you are you a fan just on cash in sport? I don't know if we've talked about it, but that live golf tour, mm. you're a golfer, Bills. You, you're aiming to go pro with those sticks you stole off me. Um, do you reckon this is going to work or are you reckon it's going to die in the ass? Uh, I reckon it will work because, A, there's the money. Is clearly it's enough for top, top golfers to make the switch. I think that... I reckon it will work in a couple of ways because it, it's going to either – it's a different format of golf, which I haven't really watched it and don't really understand it that well, but by the sounds of it, it's quite – it's a more exciting format of golf. Shotgun start and it's yeah. three rounds and that's it. Everyone makes a cut. Yeah, and the prize money's big, the start money's big, all that sort of stuff. But what it's also done is it's made the PGA Tour, which is a very old school and traditional um, you know, organization, I guess, in some ways, that it's made them go, oh, we need to make some changes. Mm. So they're actually changing, they're looking at change, making changes within the PGA organization. And I think eventually what's going to happen is that either the PGA will become a more exciting format of golf as well, potentially, or I think that the PGA is actually just going to have to concede and go, fuck, you can play both. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think like, the major changes is if, you, if you're looking at like getting people into golf that don't play golf, as a non-golfer, like if I look at the things that fuck me off about golf, one is if this new live competition could bring a new dress code, so you don't have to dress up like a tweed wanker. Secondly, <laughs> you can wear shorts for the mm. first time ever. Shorts? Oh, can you? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I like it better already, you know? Yeah. 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 Secondly, p- quieting people down in the greens. That's re- Get rid of that. We need full gas-like distraction. It's like cricket. It's like, if Mitchell Stark's steaming in to bowl at 160k an hour, there's there's 10,000 New Zealanders trying to put him off. Do you know what I mean? Smashing yeah. drums, trumpets, everything, trying to make his life as hard as possible. Bring that to the golf course. Mm. Get I, I, remember, I remember once I went to the President's Cup here in Melbourne and, yeah, everyone's real quiet. And then some bloke got his phone call and, they, and players were just practicing their putts. And it must have been one of his mates going, what are you doing? Jacko, and he goes, "Yeah, mate, I'm just on the practice screen watching Adam Scott work on his three putts." And as he said that, Scott like duffed it, and then like looked at him as if to go, "You asshole!" But it does golfers like they can't handle exactly. No, but how good would it be if there's just sledges? Well, they have that noise, and and live golf now. So they they've like also part of their format is like them they're quite loose with the media. Like the social distance podcast would probably get a start there if we wanted to go. Um, we'll, we'll take the cash. We don't but have like any they, problems. They like have these these guys that I, f- I follow on Instagram and they just go to uh, the Live Golf like practice rounds and they're allowed to. It's part of the Live Golf media team and the press conferences and just ask all these like real weird questions. Mm. Like he like, like I saw one of them, he's interviewing, um, oh, I can't remember who it was, one of the big stars and he's like, uh, such and such. Um, you know, it's a big tournament coming up. Can you explain to me why my father doesn't love me? And like shit like that, and then like so they go right to, up your alley, Bills. They go to the practice rounds, and they like stand in the tee box, and they go like, 
this guy looks like he owns a house in the Hamptons, but like, right, like just like, yeah, yeah, like, like sledging from the side. Like, it's pretty funny. Right. But it's I guess right. the big thing with live golf before we get back to cycling is like the, the kickback on live golf is that it's the money's coming from Saudi Arabia and mm. the, you know, there's the people that are saying, Oh, you know, do you support the Saudi Arabian way of life? Or, uh, welcome to sport now, mate. Welcome to sport in 2022. Eh? Like, Jeez, imagine if, having, yeah, I'm... every football team's, there's a lot of money coming from those countries now. I mean, the thing is, you can draw links about Enios sponsoring the All Blacks, you know. Mm. It's like, well, do you want us to have a national team? Yeah, yeah. It's, but I exactly. saw people responding on social saying, well, okay, if that's your moral high ground, you don't want to have any connection. Like companies like Subway and all this have got investment, and Uber have got investments out of the Saudi, mm. whatever, bank fucking group. Um, so there's always links back to it. So, it's hard to draw a clean snap, and you get it. Like you get why people going. You're hang on. Yeah, it seems a bit off, but at the same time, whenever yeah. there's people that come in and shake the apple tree, like it happened with fucking cricket, mm. like when they started yeah, the one yeah. day, isn't that? Yeah, interesting. So, like, of course you get it when people, you know, there's oil, oil companies in your sustainable country, this and that. But what, I guess what you said, what it comes down to is not everyone's as clean as they. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you'd be surprised where a lot of money comes from. Or, yeah, yeah. Anyway, know, regardless, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway, you'll be looking forward to it's a late, late run, late run into October for you, GB. I'm sure you'll be just a nice little eight day stage race to wrap up the year. You're looking forward to it. So, I was trying to do the math the other, this morning and on the plane, I was trying to work out like how long I've been away from home for. And, like, I'm at the point where I don't normally get homesick anymore, like, you know, from New Zealand, but like, Genuinely, got my sister sent me this photo. You know, it was, it was of my of my niece, uh, my nephew, like staring at this big picture of me outside the bike shop. And I was like, and like she texted me. She's like, yeah. He was wondering like why you weren't answering him, mm-hmm. like because he doesn't like he he doesn't know. You know, he knows me from a phone, but I normally talk back on a phone. He's like, yeah, you want you weren't answering him. <laughs> and then I was like, oh fuck, I actually feel like really like homesick because like I, just ha- I haven't been home for so long, you know. But mm. even out of Girona and Andorra, I've been traveling now for three months. I think I had, I think it was 12 days at home in three months or something. So um, I'm currently on another two and a half week trip. So as you can tell, morale is high. Yeah. Um, like always. Yeah, as always. No. Oh, you're not too yeah. bad, mate. I no, you're right. You look at the positives. Mm. I think we're all, all oh, three no, of us with flat bar step. We got through. It's good to get it was around. a um... the boys. It was a big day of cycling yesterday. Oh, this, is, this is a Sunday recording. This is outside of the box of what we normally record on, but Jones is on a Should flight to Europe tomorrow. we know the result of the Gravel Worlds? Yeah, so Vanderpool won those Gravel Worlds. Shit, um, yeah, shit, he did a good ride. <laughs> um, yeah, he cleaned it Who up, you know. Uh, Hattie. And third was oh, yeah. Lopez. Yeah, so it was, good. it was a good race to watch. Lopez. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, I was. Yeah, I actually yeah, watched it. Of course, I didn't. Yeah, I actually watched it at Daryl Olympi's house. I had I had a Barbie Barbie at Daryl Olympi's house and watched the Gravel Worlds yesterday afternoon, which is what I'm going to do in about an hour. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> imagine if you got this correct, the yeah, Oracle. Yeah. If you pull three out of three, oh, he's going to piss it in though, isn't he? Yeah, Vanderpool. Vanderpool's going to piss it morally, in. Morally, so. would you rather the three gravel three? Let's say morally. Would you rather three podium? The podium comes from three gravel riders or from three roadies? I I I like to see the gravel guys get on top because there's also been like this um, 
argument that because you don't need, I don't understand entirely the qualification process for the gravel worlds, but essentially it's like there isn't one. You know, if you're a gravel rider, you might have to pick up one point at one of the UCI events they do around throughout the year. But if or you're a road rider, like, team. yeah, if you're Vanderpoel or these guys, you can just turn up. But then what's happened with the start order, and I imagine it's quite crucial in, in a gravel race when you're heading into a single track off the start and there's 120 blokes, 140 blokes on the start line, all the road riders have been given front row and all the gravel riders who have been racing the gravel scene all year are starting at the back. So there's a bit of controversy around that. UCI points because Steamboat Gravel and all of this aren't gravel races, aren't, aren't UCI races, so they're not actually getting any points. No, they have points, but they just decided we want the road riders, to, I guess the big names of the sport, to win the title or have a better shot but at winning the But didn't the gravel riders get together when they announced this, you know, this UCI series in the world, and didn't they all say, you know, we're, we're going to make a pact that we don't go to any of them, mm. and only if the, your sponsor requires you, will you go to it, but let's all basically get together and, and give it the, you know, give it this cold shoulder. But then I saw like a few guys started sneaking into them and actually were just getting results. Mm. And then, you know, they were going, oh, hold on a minute. These UCI rounds seem easier than Leadville or, or whatever it is. Oh, that's not even right. um, Belgian Waffle Ride or whatever the hell. And and then actually once a, a few went, it started a little sprinkle and then the floodgates opened and now everyone's mm. at the UCI Worlds. It's like and the like, unions. Like those guys would have been like, scab! <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think what happened is it's like it's quite an interesting um, evolution in gravel really quickly. So it was this like I guess you'd call it like this really cool like hit sort of scene with had like especially in the states massive amounts of participation, like thousands of guys doing these races. You know, a hundred guys racing and a thousand guys participating. Um, but that that was kind of the scene that they all enjoyed. They're like, no, we want to have this more low key. You know, we like race the gravel. We finish it. We have a couple and we of wait IPAs. for each other in the feed zones. Yeah, and this we have a couple of IPAs thing. together, and you know, like all that sort of stuff. Roll our jeans up. But then, like they now, what's happened is the UCI's got involved, and it's created a bigger event. And also, what's happened in all, in those other events in the states is that, like, because it's such a big event, there's actually a lot of money up for grabs. Like next year, there's a there's a yeah. I think it's a three series race with two hundred and fifty thousand US dollars prize money. So imagine that two hundred fifty grand for three races. Yeah, the oh, yeah. scene, the scene of of drinking IPAs with your mates and having a having a laugh on the gravel for three or four hours beforehand is actually it's going to die because as soon as you wave a carrot in someone's face, people start looking for gains. How can I make my bike faster? Okay, I'm going to start wearing a skin suit instead of a baggy t-shirt. I'm going to start doing this, 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 and it, it's actually within the space of twelve months, it's going to be a professional sport, and it's going to be let's just just yeah. like road cycling. I know a Simple few of those guys in that scene, though, and I know that they'll still open an IPA, take a photo of it for Instagram, and then put a hashtag on the thing and, you know, pretend they're sleeping in their van, but they're actually at the Hilton with a mechanic and a mm. whole team around them. But um, I had to laugh when, this, when the tide started to turn on this whole scene because I remember reading this interview. It was after one of the races, and it was a really long race, and... Some of the guys started with a camelback instead of um, they had camelback and bottles, and it was hot and long, whatever. And normally, so they come to the first feed zone, and like some guys stop to refill their bottles, and other guys are like, "Well, I've been carrying a fucking camel pack for half a k. I don't need water. I'm going to keep going." So heaps of them kept going, and then I think it was like Pete Stetner and these guys who were quite good riders in the gravel scene 
you know, they were like, what the hell? These guys attacking in the feed zone and, and just blasted them on social media and Strava and stuff saying it was like, that was the day gravel died, you know, when they didn't wait for each other in the feed zone. The day yeah. gravel died. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting race, but I'm looking forward to actually watching it, just something different. Um, <laughs> but also yesterday was the Pogman cleaned up as expected Lombardia. When I say expected, I just think, you know, he's, he's always a good shot in me. And then pretty hard in that sprint, eh? Mass was going was good, yeah. Hard. But what was more impressive in the cycling world yesterday was what Filippo Garner did on the track yesterday oh. evening. Unbelievable. Yeah. Do you know what's funny? I had no idea what happened because I was walking onto my plane as he started and I walked past the mechanics who were watching it in the in the airport in the boarding gate and I was like, oh, how's he going? He's like, oh, he's just started, but oh, he's a little bit slow, you know? He's like, he's like two or three seconds down and I was like, oh, he's down already. Shit, okay. Got on the plane, got off, looked, 57 can now. I was like, wow, it's <laughs> obviously... Warming yeah. up. Do, do, do you reckon that that's hit Bills, like in terms of people having a crack at it now? They're just going to go, nah, nah fuck Rem- it. Remco's going to put 60k now some, at some point. You reckon? It was interesting what so. Garner said in his interview. Like he, he, he basically alluded to pretty directly that he wanted to do 57. And he did 56.7 yeah. or something. Um, so, so how many more meters what, did he need to ride? He needs to do another lap and a half, really. And then, yeah. so I, I'm going to be interested to see if he has another crack because I, I feel like he's just, he was kind of like, what I've just done is amazing. Like the, the, the coolest thing was that, and like this is, when they changed the rules of the hour record like five or six years ago, and they said, okay, we're going to abolish Boardman's record or we're going to keep Boardman's, Boardman's record as like this all-time record, but it no longer counts as the official hour record because it was done in the Superman position in positions mm. and on bikes that are no longer legal. So we're going to keep that as, you know, this magic number that no one's ever going to see again. And then we're going to start the R record process again, where you've got to be on bikes within all the current UCI rules. Measurements, got to be able to buy the bike, even though it's going to cost 75,000 euros to buy gunners. You can still buy it, essentially. Um, well, you can print it, all these... Yeah, you can 3D print it. <laughs> um, but then what was cool about what Gunner did was he unified the whole thing. You know, he beat Boardman's record and he said, right, that's, that's the record now. Mm. Boardman's one yeah, is now, now. Yeah, now there's no now records. That is the record. Yeah. That's the fastest anyone's ever gone. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking you myself, know what I like, think is... with Garner is he's already done all the hard work, like all the testing and the everything like that. And I just don't think he's in unreal form. I think he did that at 90%. Like he didn't win the Worlds. He he was struggling a little bit on the after the tour. Like he has said it full speed for Rock 58 yeah I reckon I reckon he didn't do what he's capable of but isn't he better off just waiting now like wait till someone has a crack at it and if they do miraculously beat it I wouldn't I wouldn't go in again just to try and beat it again really good form again he's already got all the Mm. bike got everything sorted he'll just wait till he's in good form and then just go do it but I was hearing that he was staying at altitude and like once a week he'll take a helicopter down to to do a track session and then I'd helicopter him back up to the top of the mountain for altitude. That's insane, eh? That's like, that's, it's the whole Ineos sport model. I was talking to Hannah about mm. it last night. I was like, I reckon this budget for this hour record, which was not a small budget, um, hasn't, and I could be completely wrong. I'm, making, I'm just hypothesizing, just speculating as we do, like we, like we say every show. Um, 
that the money's actually come from this Ineos sports organization. You know how there's a, there, there's an Ineos and Dave's well, like what was behind break. breaking too. Yeah, so like behind Kipchoge's um, sub to our marathon, like there must be like a budget events on these like you know the hour record, the two hour marathon, blah blah blah, all these sorts of different different bits and pieces. And they're obviously under that under that same umbrella. They've got the cycling team, they've got the America's Cup team, they've got the Formula One team, they've got the All Blacks, they've got the Nice Football Club, like. You know all these things underneath this one umbrella, and it's a separate Holy budget. Shit, they to own, what the they own a team lot is. of sport, hey? Mm. Yeah, but uh, like I reckon it's the, the hour record. Okay, it's different to running because running is like the only piece of equipment that you can really refine to go fast on is a pair of shoes. You know, that the hour record you can make so many changes to skin suits, helmets, bikes, wheels, chains, chain rings. Um, picking the right day, the right weather, the right air pressure, all that sort of stuff. But when you just nut it down to like remove all that stuff and talk about just the physical effort, the hour record to go that fast for one hour has to be up there with one of the peaks of human performance, along with the two-hour marathon. I think the marathon. I think the marathon's still most impressive. Yeah, but sure. But I think if you think about like what's the most R and D influence for. Out of all of those, those shoes were massive, and you know, like it suddenly took two two minutes off everyone's time. But I think America's Cup is where the Ineos boat in America's Cup. That's where they have the most influence. With that's where cash does the most mm. or goes the furthest. You know, doesn't matter how good a sailor you got, you can't. Mm. You have to build a boat. You know. Yeah. Well, another sport that's in the news bills is um, fishing. Uh, <laughs> how are those did you, anyone that been living under a rock there was a big controversy in this fishing title it's massive in the states you talk about cash they got oh, yeah. like yeah. 250 grand tournaments the and these pricks he's using any else fishing reel this guy wasn't he <laughs> oh, yeah that was that, that was the dark side of the actually uh, you got a sound bite because my favorite thing about this whole controversy is is the reaction when he's like trying to fit him to call the cops on the guy? I'll add it in. I'll do that in post. Okay. So he's he's right, the audio. Gonna be a, this is going to be audio of a guy. We got weights in this. There we go. So yeah, like it was interesting. Like so, in a sport, in a sport that I thought was like almost impossible to cheat in. Like, yeah. how do you cheat in fishing? Like you've got to put a hook Unless line some guys sinker. Rolling up with like a frozen fish. Yeah. Unless, you know, like that—that's about the the extent of it. But, but they said that this crew had been doing it for like twelve months. Yeah, yeah and he's like world champion, or they call him yeah. world champion because it's American. How do you not know when you're throwing these like bass down and they look the same? They're sort of the same width. Yet this thing's two pounds heavier than the one next to you. Your brain doesn't go, hang on, hmm. what was that hmm. fish eating like? Oh, I was eating right. lead sinkers. You know? Yeah. What are the odds? <laughs> they just literally stuffed it like so. They must have just got the fish, opened its mouth, and just pushed lead sinkers into it. Yeah, yeah, and just stuffed them in. And then when so the like guy said, caught James, him, surely it was bizarre that they're going. Why is this guy catching such dense fish? Like that's like, yeah. I got bigger fish. This is fucking dense. But, but as you said, when the guy busted him and. He cuts it open, and imagine the reaction if you were the guy that's been cheating. You have to stand in front of him as your your whole world's about to crumble because they're talking about throwing these guys in the clink. 
because it's fraud mm. and it's caused a massive stink. But when, when the guy reacted, as you heard in the audio, he goes, there's, what do you say? There's weights. They got weights. <laughs> and then like anyone that knows a fisherman, they're not chilled dudes. Like most fishermen fish because mm. they've got to get away from, you know, it's a sort of like a stress mechanism because they've, most of them are hotheads or they've got some sort of t- tweak in their brain chemistry. The once these fishermen caught these these pricks for cheating, it was just could have been a bloodbath. They could have been manslaughter oh, yeah. charges. Like they mm-hmm. wanted fucking blood, and rightly so. Yeah. But the bloke just had to cop it. Like you just sit there and cop it. Like bloke's going, You're fucking dead, man. Yeah. If I was gonna cheat, I've just thought of a good way to cheat in fishing. Instead of putting lead sinkers in them, just inject can't you just inject them with with more water? Fill them up with water? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it opens up the door where there'll be some people that go, I can't believe they cheated. But then there's other people going, well, they just cheated bad. Like, if yeah. you're going to cheat, like, do it properly. Yeah, there'll be the people out there going, I can't believe I got away with it. Cheat in? I think golf would be the hardest sport you could possibly ever cheat on. No, it's not. The foot wedge. Well, or the, um, the <laughs> you know, when you're in a bunker and you put a like a bit of sand in your hand and the ball oh. in the other. And then when you swing, you let go. So the sand goes out with the ball. People go, shot, Jane. No, shot. It's, it's, easy, it's easy to cheat in. It's easy to cheat in recreational golf. Like you and I are playing a game yeah. on Wednesday here in Spain. And there's, I have no doubt that there'll be some foul play. Like all I need you to do, Jones, is shank one drive, which probably with you will only be one drive because you're a good golfer. But you shank, one, ages. you shank one drive into the bushes and I hit one straight. And then you go in to find your, you find to look for your ball. Don't you don't worry, mate. You'll hear it all of a sudden. But like, fuck, mate, mine's on the green. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Side, I thought you were hitting a white ball. That was a yellow nap. <laughs> yeah. But like George is right. Like in professional yeah, golf, I think professional golf. Because so many what cameras. Drugs are you gonna take? But yeah. Like, well, getting on the gear is not going to help you. I, I had him just on that. I had a mate that told me this horrific story. I don't know if I've told it on the potty before, but he was playing in a tournament in under 15s and he said it was a big tournament around Sydney. And he was in this bunker and he did this, the hand wedge and like what I was telling you, and he like threw it out because it was really steep. And he put himself down for like a three or a four when really he'd had seven shots and then did it. Anyway, um, he goes up to get the award and they go, and the winner of the junior tournament is Clayton Kelly. And everyone's clapping and his family were there. And he said there's like 300 people there in this room. He goes to get the award and this old prick at the bar goes, hang on here. Just hang on here. He goes, I saw that kid have at least four shots in the bunker and he's put down a four. And he reckons <laughs> in that moment, they like grabbed the trophy back and it's like the fisherman. Like they barred him from the club. He was fucking done like yeah oh. oh. it didn't stop That's him because why... he I, I saw him use the foot wedge in a tournament in sale so i didn't learn from it <laughs> so we didn't get uh... any better at cheating did he what about <laughs> surfing it it? surfing be hard to cheat in yeah 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 um like, like billiards <laughs> billiards would be hard billiards like, yeah billiards would be like real hard them. There'd be a few. Yeah. Mm. Would be. But um, I, I think whenever you get footage of people caught red-handed, there's always that reaction in your brain that goes, thank fuck that's not me. Like I'm like there's something addictive oh. about seeing people getting done where you go, I'm so glad that that's not me. But for me, that's my biggest fear. I like That's why I could never cheat at a sport because I just think of the shame. I, I just, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like 
it, the, the intense like I remember when we were young we were just in schools cross country and it was out at Rabbit Island and we were running like so like the best guy from each the best like four guys whatever from each school go and do this race around this and it's just through the forest and this little and one guy from our team one guy from our college like he wasn't even good he was just there because he wanted a day off school you know and he, no one else wanted to go and he ended up like fifth <laughs> but the teacher had seen him just just straight lining it through the forest and just popping oh, out, no. and, you know, popping out. And, you know, <clears throat> they just made such an example of this guy. I felt I felt pretty bad for him, but at the same time, I was just like, I wasn't angry at him, I wasn't anything. I just had that cringe, <laughs> horrific, like... It's different yeah. when you're dealing with children, with kids, eh? Like, because all <laughs> kids, like... Cheating is almost the wrong term for kids. Like when you're a ten year old kid, you're playing backyard with your cousins or something. You always find it's a way. To... Advantage. Yeah, but like you're not a cheater, so like you got to find like a way to say like, "Hey, that's the wrong. Like this is that's not in the spirit of what we're doing." But like, don't like punish them or banish them from the golf club when they're 13 years old for like the poor bastard was just like he's probably in tears. I can't get this fucking ball out of this fucking bunker, you know? Mm. <laughs> well, don't fucking come back, you know. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> hey, um, I delivered on the promise. I, I think your audio's gone off, George. Um, we sent the jersey bills uh, to our competition winner. I, oh, did, yeah, I just wanted to re- reiterate that because um, people would probably doubt that doubt we follow that... through with our competition winners. But we still do have two others to deliver that we haven't delivered yet. Cause... Uh, haven't you sent yours yet? No, but we always send them six months late, George and I. Yeah, fair enough. You will get them. I though. think I've given it to you. I've given my part of the bargain to you. No, that was another competition. This is a competition oh. where you, you, and this is your fault, actually. You've got to take ownership for this. Like What's you, this competition for? When we read out the schoolyard stories, like the school oh, yeah, stories shit. for the Alperson jersey, and then like we read three stories out, and before I, we even had the chance to say, okay, which one are we voting for? George fucking piped up and goes, oh, they're all good. We'll give them all something. Well done, guys. I'm like, yeah. I've only got one jersey. Yeah, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> well, Alan, Alan Hill, he's got his. Look at him. Stoked. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah, good on you, Alan. Uh, but the, said, the other two... Which one do you guys ride selfs? And... <laughs> the other two yeah. out there, we apologise, but you'll get, you'll get something. We'll turn up at some yeah. point in time. Um, I want to go back quickly to Lombardia because there's something that really interest I found really interesting happened yesterday at Lombardia. So, and it's a real hot, uh, like a spotlight on how in sports we choose to immortalize the really successful or immortalize the heroes of the sport. So, Nibali and Valverde were retiring. This was the last race of their career. But in the same race was Tano Kanga, was the last race of his career. Mikhail Nieve was the last race of his career. And that's just the four I know of. But before the start of Lombardia, they made this guard, the, the organizers made a real effort to take Nibali and Valverde on stage together. Then they created this guard of honor with made all the riders go and spread out as a guard of honor so that Nibali and Valverde could ride to the front of the peloton and start the race, you know, and like this whole big thing. Like this is their last race and these guys are heroes. They won a shitload of races, three grand tours. Uh, four grand tours between them, three from Nibali alone, 133 victories from Valverde, rah, rah. But when I was watching the footage of them rolling up the Guard of Honour, Mikhail Nieva was just standing there, like, and he was just like, 
he doesn't give a shit because he's a fucking legend, Frosty. He was just like, I don't need that stuff anyway. But there was a part of me that thought, like, why doesn't he get to ride up in the middle of the Guard of Honor yeah. as well? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, he's been part of some crucial moments. It's like, and you think of Froomey winning the tour, him up on Von 2 that day. Mm. Um, was it Von 2? Yeah, when, when he was riding for the Scardi. Or, or how many how many Tour de France wins and Grand Tour wins has he actually been a part of as well, you know? And Nibali, who was riding, and it's not Nibali's fault or Valverde's fault, and, you know, cool. And I, I actually like both those guys as riders. I think they're fucking awesome. But the like Tanel Kangard, who's a teammate of mine, he's retiring. He's been professional for 14 years. Mate, he was in those teams with Nibali that he when he won those Grand Tours. Mm. Like, mm. like you think like why can't those guys do the same? Like, but I sort are of understand why it happens because, because of who they are. Are you hurting a little bit because you didn't get a guard of honor at Bois Capel? Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're you're going down a rabbit hole here to end up with where was your guard of honor? Which is a fair to, point. Yeah. It's a fair point. Mate, I had the perfect guard of honor. I had all I needed. I had two mates come on the bus after and give me a beer, and I drank them with him. No, my, nothing more that I need. Yeah, but a guard yeah. of honor would have been cool. So that has yeah. made a big bit of a hoo ha about it. But no one knew either. Well, Oops. that doesn't help. It doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help when no one had a clue that it was my last race <laughs> except my teammates. Yeah. You can't really. Do you that. really want to make like an emotional goodbye for us? You have to suffer it out. You have to. Re- you can't retire at the end of the year. You have to retire in January. You have to either go like to down under or the nationals, because basically, mm. no one's given you a guard of honor in Europe. Nah, yeah. like the theory, and like this sort of comes back to what I was saying about how we immortalize sports heroes. You know, we choose who we're going to immortalize, and it's it's often based on what they've done in the sport and their successes I've had. You know, like when Federer retired, of course that was going to be huge. You know, when Tom Brady retired for the third or fourth time, same again, huge. Like, but. Um, it's the fairy tale endings are reserved for the very few, you know. Oh yeah, most people like in cycling sulk out of the sport bitterly. That's mm. generally how it goes. The the, um, the the unfortunate truth of it is, the majority of guys don't stop on their watch. They don't no. get another contract. They're in October and December, and then it gets to January, and they go, "Fuck, I guess I'm retired." That's how it ultimately ends for a lot of these guys, and then suddenly they have this panic because there was no. Like it, I think a successful retirement in cycling is if it's on your watch and you go right. Mm. I think I'm, I'm ready to do it now. And if you can mm. choose when you retire, that's already essentially a fairy tale ending. Yeah, but man, like I guess this retirement thing's been going on for about three episodes now. <laughs> but yeah. like it is, it's watching like Nibali and um, Valverde retire, and then Gilbert's retiring today, his last race today in Paris Tours. It's a change. Ch- Langeveld. It's the changing of the guard, man. Oh, Langeveld. He Terpstra. Done. Yeah. Terpstra. Yeah. Like big names. Um, big riders. Yeah. That's, well, that is a changing of the guard. Mm. Valverde on another year. Valverde is unbelievable, man. 21 years pro. He ran six. He's 42. He's a 42. He said he's going better than he's ever gone. He did his best ever time up to Viglio in Lombardy. Yeah. Insane, Why does he go man. again? Just go again. I reckon. Yeah. He, I reckon. I reckon he'll get oh, a month down home. the track. Yeah, exactly. He's going to realize like he hasn't talked to his missus in twenty-two years, and she's going to go. You yeah. know what? I don't really <laughs> he's want to around this much. After three weeks at home, he's going to go. Who's this lady that's always on my couch? Do you reckon <laughs> he'll do like a? <laughs> do you reckon he'll do a Cosmo Kramer and just turn up, like training camp? He'll just roll up in his kit, like, and he's like. 
what are you doing? I, di- I didn't think you, I thought you were retired. So oh, yeah, I'm just going for a spin and just keep turning up. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of training camps, did you hit, see what's kicking off in NBA preseason training camp? Oh, yeah. No? Nah? Draymond Green knocked out, uh, what's his name? Paul. Who? Gold, Golden State Warriors. You know Draymond Green? He plays for Golden State Warriors. Yeah, he's one a hot top, head. One of yeah. the top dudes. They were training the other day, and he had a bit of a like an argument with one of his teammates, and he just walked over to them and just fucking smacked him straight in the face. Both just dropped him. Really? Yeah. Knocked well, him out cold. That that happened in the last dance, you know, the Steve Kerr thing, mm. where he chinned mm. Steve Kerr in a practice. There was apparently a couple of Aussie guys over there filming it, and they said to him afterwards, hey, can we have that vision? We don't want you to... S- that can't get out, all this sort of stuff. And then I was watching that... Um, all or nothing doco series with um on Tottenham Hotspur. Have you said that's a cracker yeah, with Mourinho? Did you see that they had the training incident that that one guy who's a hothead on the team mm. and he jumped into the crowd one game and went to belt some bloke who was mouthing off with his brother in the crowd like he's like nah I just fucking had enough you know he's giving his shit the whole game and fucking he lost it and I'm thinking oh he's gonna get rubbed out for weeks and Mourinho goes yeah nah. I back him. Was, mm. I don't, you, know, you can't do that in, in the, the crowd. I'm thinking, fucking hang on. And then he belted the um, Korean striker, did this aggressive slide tackle and stuttered him at training and then fucking punch-ons. And that, that's awesome. what this, um, the Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors are saying now. They're like, it's all good. We'll handle it internally. Don't worry. No one's going to miss any games. Like, it's, it made me think, like, how would you handle that in a cycling team? Like, imagine... One of, like you're on the bus at the Tour de France stage 16 or something and everyone's getting tired and like, you know, everyone's wicks are a bit shorter. Uh, imagine if like one of the guys just got up and fucking smacked, just smacked one of your teammates. Like what, how, how well, would that I've be handled in cycling team? I've heard it happening. I know, I I've know gone two close. occasions it's happened. On the, in the bus or on the, on the road? One in the bus and one on a training camp. I've heard of and it was something happening. And it yeah. never saw the light of day. And it was in, it was handled internally in both cases. Mm. I think that's the way it should be done. And I was there for neither of them, but I know the story. The story definitely went around to the teams. I, I reckon that's the way to do it. It's just to handle it internally. Oh, of course, absolutely. Yeah. And just yeah. be like, mate, like testosterone-filled blokes. I mean, it's not okay, but like, let's look at the circumstance. Let's look at what happened. Let's try to. And ultimately, like nine times out of ten, with men that know each other well and get on well and uh, uh, most times if they have a bit of a Barney normally you can get it to a point where they're both okay with each other again mm. well Mar- Mourinho had I it I probably would never be okay because I would never get recovered from taking a hit I'd be so frail <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd drop like that'd a, be the end of me like a shit they go your jaw would be like it'd be like fish. watching a gender reveal it'd be like watching a gender reveal your jaw getting hit it'd just be like dust like, like oh, that's a boy it's blue <laughs> It's red. <laughs> but Mourinho handled it well. He just said, guys, what I saw that, because there was another punch on with the goalkeeper and a player in the game, and it went into the rooms. He goes, no, nah, that's uh, you got to look at the positives. That's passion. You don't accept mm. standards, and uh, I get it. And, yeah, we got to look at the positives. I'm thinking, yeah, that's one way to frame it. Move on. <laughs> it's all about mindset. That's it. Just positive <laughs> spin. wanted to go on about yeah. You're still not done with this music thing. You, well, I just not, think... you're not going to go again on Coldplay because let's no, no. be honest, I pulled your pants down and yeah, I just want to revisit one. it. Let's. Let, I just want to wrap the show up. You know, 
wrap the show up now with a revisit of this greatest British band of all time. Oh, I heard you boys talking about this when Rowan was on. When I was yeah, there. I want I want to get. We never got George's three. I want to hear George's three. Okay. Okay, I'm just looking here. I think he sent them to the group. I think he said Led Zepp. Oh, it's very easy for me. The Beatles. You got to go Beatles. You got to go Led Zepp. And then for me, which neither of you two said in the last one, is I would have gone with Queen. Oh. Mm. Well, Mercury I'm, being one of the greatest. What about the Stones? I love the Stones. Absolutely. But I think Queen will, in terms of influential bands, yeah. went further. What about um, Coldplay? Um, Where's Coldplay sitting in your... Your do I have the option to destroy my eardrums before I listen to Coldplay, or do I have them somewhere on the? Oh, we no, get they give, they give, they do they're on the charity. nose. Yeah, they're on the nose. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fight for that band anymore. They're done. I get it. I get it. I'm walking away. I know they liked your video. Oh, Craig David, that's not a bad one either, Jonesy. I'm walking away. He's British, Craig David. He, pl- he played with Coldplay live. Yeah. Just, I'm walking away. See, there's the two magical on that last Troubles in my life. All right, well, then who's, who who would be your bottom three then on that list? Coldplay. Bottom three, Craig David, Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know who I'd also maybe have to put on there is Fleetwood Mac? Oh, this is very hard because leaving off stones of Fleetwood Mac. Oh, my bottom three. Is very small on my screen. My bottom three would be Suede because I don't know who they are. Uh, Bell yeah. and Sebastian because I don't know who they are and um, oh, Moody terrible. Blues never heard of them Pet Shop Boys are pretty bad in my opinion oh, Moody Blues that's, that's Moody Blues Roxy uh, Music what's Roxy Music yeah there's Roxy a few in there good. Mm. yeah right. anyway I've got to go and Wait, rewatch the Gravel Worlds oh, I've got to go anyway yeah me too actually yeah. Oh, right. that's handy. Well, you okay. go, George, and me and Jones, you'll wrap it up. Okay, wrap it up. Good stuff. All right. See you guys. See you, mate. Bye. Good luck. So you're on the plane tomorrow, Jonesy? Europe? Yeah, mate. Yep. Coming it's to... been five years and uh, coming back for, obviously, a big wedding. Michael we'll, um, we'll do a couple of bits and pieces for the potty, I reckon, while you're here, won't we? For sure. I think the next episode, the next episode we'll do is uh, probably be you and I together. Yeah, and we'll bring in some guests. Um, yeah. We've got to I've get actually... some footage of the uh, worst band ever performing. We're yeah. doing our first gig in six years. Derby on drums. I've actually just bought a new piece of equipment for the for the team for the podcast. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you about it when you get here, but it's going to be it's going to be a game changer. This piece of equipment I've bought. Dual mics. Dual mics. Uh, rec- like a portable recorder. Oh so, yeah. So I reckon when you're here. We'll we should get some good we'll get some good content with around the around the shop. Before you go, what I haven't got a wedding present yet, and you know when you do the standard, like you you're just struggling to think of what to get, and then you put it out. You go, hey mate, what do you need? And you get the standard. Oh mate, we're sorted. Mm. I'm thinking like they listen to the get... show as well, so let's not give away too much. Okay, let's talk about this off here. I reckon. But... Put it put in the comments. What you think oh. I should get for a wedding present? What's what's the best wedding present you've been given? Yeah, let Jonesy know, uh, and we'll send you a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's it. George will send you a shirt. 
No, you can always go with the duty-free bottle of gin on the way out of the airport. Oh, yeah. That's it. Qatar, here we come. Are you flying business class or cattle no, class? Cattle. Maybe yeah. you could sneak into business class and snake one of the uh, toiletry bags they give you. Oh, yeah. Vision. Or there's always one that's left on the seat when you're walking out. Mm. One of those bottles of, like, full bottle of water still that someone didn't drink. Yeah, face cream. In Stop fact, when everyone's enough. sleeping, just go through everyone's hand luggage while everyone's sleeping on the flight. You'll find something that's worth giving away. Yeah. No, for sure. Mm. All right, it's going to be sorted. I think we should do like a social distance head-to-head golf game. Yeah. You versus me and see who they think is going to win because I hear you're in red-hot form. So. Yeah, so comment below as well. We've got a about 48 hours after this episode's released. Jones and I are playing a... Are we playing, annual. Are we playing off the stick or are we playing skins? We'll go skins. We'll play. So whoever's gonna, who's gonna win the most most holes out of eighteen? Yep. Comment below who you think, and we'll. Uh, Whoever you know. guesses the correct score, we'll send you a shirt. We'll give him a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. All right. Like, share, subscribe.